0: I've got to tell you, probably one of my worst fears is that I'm wearing this microphone, sitting in the back, brushing up on my sermon, kind of humming and singing along, and then you guys can hear me out here. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was back there. I checked it twice. I'm sure shirt was off. Good morning, church. How are you today? So if you've been with us for a while, you'll know that we're studying and looking at the book of James. If you're just joining us, we're looking at the book of James. So go ahead and flip over there. We're going to spend the morning in and out of that, that book. Just a realization is, as, I, as I study this epistle, this letter from James, one of the three. I don't know that we want to define right now who what James it is. But as I study it and just the awareness that this was a, a letter written to the churches, right? James addresses this to the 12 tribes scattered across the nations. So they would have taken this, the churches would have taken this letter and received this from from James, and they would have taken it and they would have studied it and learned it and applied it to their Christian life, to how they communicate and work with each other amongst their church body, Amongst each other as a group, but also their personal lives. And it's really interesting that we get to do the exact same thing. We're taking this letter that James wrote to us, and we're going to study it through, very thoroughly, I might add. I think well, this is our sixth week in this book. Very thoroughly. And we're going to apply it to us as a group, and to ourselves as individuals. We are in a little bit of an advantage because we have all the letters. We have the gospel. We have the Old Testament. We've got it all that we can cross and compare and really study deep, deep. But it's just really cool and quite a blessing that we're able to take this and examine it just as they did centuries and centuries ago. All right. The book of James. Um, Nate left off last week with do not show favoritism. So that's in the beginning of chapter two. You can flip there. Um, Typically, you can move on from one topic to the other. But this topic, the way James has it written, it is necessary to understand favoritism to get to his point later in verse eight. And for today, we're going to look at chapter two, verses eight through 13. Do Not Show Favoritism is the title of it. Um, Nate had made the reference, a football reference, because it is that time of year. Today's the day, right? But for the young ladies out there, would we treat, say, Taylor Swift... What was that, Titus? (laughs) Would we treat Taylor Swift... Any different than one of the other ladies walking into this room? Would we not line up at the door to watch her come in with all of her posse and her people to walk here and sit down? And would we not want to sit next to her? I, I wouldn't, but maybe some would. <laughs> right? We would. Some would. It's a broad term. But still, the point still stands. We give people favor because of their status, their financial position, whatever. We see that all the time. And if we're honest with ourselves, it's natural. Paul says there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor they're male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are all the same in Christ. I'll go on to talk about this a little bit more. And it's actually this same context. Almost the same verbiage is mentioned like three or four times in the New Testament. Almost a, almost identical. But what. The, what Paul is saying here is that we're, we're the same in Jesus. We're the same in here. As, as far as Christ is concerned, we are the same. No matter our status. Whether we're rich, we're poor, we're pretty, we're ugly, we're whatever. Tall, short, bald. We're all the same to Christ. When we are in him, we are equal. And that's the point that James is making at the first part of chapter 2. Now James starts to transition as we get into verse 8. He moves to favoritism, and he really starts to drive this home of why it's sinful. And he starts to talk about the royal law. So before we get started here, we might as well read the verses we're going to study today. Starting in verse 8. If you really keep the royal law found in scripture love your neighbor as yourself you are doing right but if you show favoritism you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers for whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it for he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder if you do not commit adultery But you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So let's talk about the royal law. You've probably heard the royal law. I don't know if you've known it was the royal law, what James is calling the royal law. He only mentions one verse here, but it's actually made, out, made up of two. And Jesus answers this in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. If you want to flip there, you can. If not, it's okay. He said, he's asked, what are the greatest commandments? And he said, there are two. Love your God with all your heart with all your soul, and on all your mind. That's the first one, and the greatest. The second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that's the royal law. Where Jesus is quoting, and flip here, is Leviticus 19.9. So flip over there. This is a long read, and excuse me, but I think we need to get through it. This is what Jesus is is talking about and what he's referring to, referring back to Leviticus 19.9. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. And you shall not glean your vineyard. Nor shall you gather every grape in your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. So, at that time, what he's saying is when you harvest your crop, leave the corners, the row around, so that people less fortunate and the people that are traveling can come glean that and have subsistence. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. Nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely, or you shall, or shall you profane the name of your God? You shall not misrepresent the one you call God. I am your Lord. You shall not cheat your neighbor. You shall not rob him. The wages Of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. You shall not curse the deaf nor put a stumbling block before the blind. You shall fear your God. I am the Lord. What that means is by deaf and blind are the people that cannot understand. Folks that don't understand it yet, don't get in their way. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go about as a bearer or a gossiper among your people. You shall take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Jesus says it again in Matthew seven twelve, really similarly. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law of the prophets. For what, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, also do to them. And Leviticus sums that up, right? It's written out a lot longer, but all of those things, that's what you wish your neighbor would do to you, and you should do to them. Something I've noticed, this is a, an example, I think, of the, the point here, but something I've noticed more recently, especially as we travel and drive places, especially on the interstate, I've noticed that when there's a broken-down vehicle on the side of the freeway, less and less people actually move over a lane to put distance between that broken-down vehicle themselves right it's just safe it's the right thing to do there may not be an issue at all but I see more and more people doing 80 85 miles per hour just go rushing by a semi or a person changing out a flat tire or whatever have you there maybe there's steam coming up and there's a person moving around that vehicle and just feet away I don't know if you've ever been that person I've been broken down on the freeway and like the whole vehicle shakes back and forth as these vehicles go by One false step and you're done, right? I see that more and more and more, and it's so simple just to turn your blinker on and move over one, slow down a little bit, care for your neighbor, and it's for you and them both. I'm pretty certain that they don't want to be ran over. I'm also fairly certain you don't want to run over anyone. Who here would like to run over a person? No, don't answer that. Who? Seriously, who would want to bear that? But it's less and less common. It's worldly, I know, but it's still a great example. We're getting to the point where we won't even move over a lane for the next person. We care so little about them and so much about what we're doing and where we're going that we don't even stop to consider that there's potential catastrophe. I will tell you, uh, for some reason, the majority of the license plates that I see do that are white. They're either white with black letters, Texas, or they're white with red letters, California. (laughs) And that's that's an example of caring for your neighbor. Do unto them What you would want done to you. Wouldn't you want that person to move over a lane for you? If you were stuck on the side of the road. Care just a little bit for you. It really is here in James. He's talking about not only the big differences. So as we look at above eight. And and, and at the beginning of chapter two. He's talking about some pretty. Some pretty contrast, pretty drastic, um, some stuff going on. He's talking about rich and poor. Um, let me see if I can get here real quick. Let's see if I can make it fast. Basically, what's happening is people are, are coming into their their congregation and because of their status they're asked to sit in different places the rich up front the wealthy up front the poor at their feet on the floor so in a situation like that just to help with paint the image so we can manage it that the the folks with maybe a little more status would sit in the middle of the row on the, on the actual pews themselves and then folks without status where maybe you have to stand in the back or sit somewhere here on the floor off to the corner and out of the way. And then he goes on to say, aren't these the people, these rich people, aren't these the ones that persecute you? Aren't these the people that drag you into court? That sue you? These people that do evil to you outside of this place, you bring them in here and all of a sudden they have a higher status? No. No, that's not the case at all, James is saying. That is not the case. We are equal in Christ. And then a little bit more on, on the book of James and this being a letter to the church of so many centuries ago and how it applies now. It's interesting to me also that a problem, obviously this was a problem or else he would have never been addressing it, a problem that existed then is still a problem now. We can apply it to our lives today. Then it hasn't really changed. It may not be exactly that issue, but it's probably something close to it. And if we're honest with ourselves again, favoritism is real. It is. It exists. We're naturally biased. We are. That's just the way it is. And what God is saying what Jesus is saying is, fight that. Fight that. Inside of me, inside of my church, if you claim to be mine, fight it. Resist it. I'll give you an example. I think all too often, and it's it's small again, right? It's James is talking about the bigger issues at the beginning of chapter 2, but... We can apply the same concept to the smaller issues. Something that I see often that I've had to resist myself is several of us have been going and worshiping together. We know each other quite intimately, and we're good friends. We are. It's easy to strike up conversation and talk about whatever happened throughout the week because we have some common ground. But what happens when the new person walks in to this building? What happens? Well, naturally, we have a tendency, because we're shy or whatever, not everybody's bad at this, but I found I struggle with it, to just walk up and say hello, make them feel welcome. Right? It's not that we're purposely giving favoritism to the people that have been here, but it's hard to kind of break the ice. It's kinda of hard to get past ourselves and find something in common with somebody we don't even know. Worse yet, like what if somebody walked in here that was in rags that smelled awful and maybe they'd been through a heck of a lot that morning. It may be hard. It may be against our natural being, our flesh to walk up to that person, shake their hand, ask them what they need, and say hello to them, right? It's just fleshly. And what I'm telling you is, it's normal. What Christ is telling you is, stop it, (laughs) quit. All right, so James goes on. Now that we have an idea about favoritism and how that works, he goes on in verse 9. So let's, let's go to, to 9. But if you show favoritism, you sin or, and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. I'm going to bring something up here with me. Here, actually, let me do this. Sorry. I'm going to grab this. Okay, everyone knows what this is, right? It's a cracker, right? Okay, so in this case, for this, it was a piece of a cracker, but now it's a whole cracker because I'm holding it and it's a piece, it's a hole. This is a whole of a whole. this is how it is, right? So this cracker right here, as you see it, if I break a corner of it off, is it broken? Yeah, yeah, I broke it, it's broken. The whole thing's broken, it's not the same cracker anymore. If I break it directly in half, and it's a big crack, and it's broken into bigger pieces, is it still broken? Yeah, it's still broken. It's broken. It's same with like a plate of glass. It doesn't matter if you crack the edge of it, or you crack the whole thing right down the middle. It doesn't matter. It's cracked. And that's what James is saying about the law. Even if you break a small piece of the law, a portion of the law, you still broke the law. You're still a lawbreaker or if you commit murder and you crack the thing right down the middle it's still the law's broken you're a lawbreaker it's all the same Then he goes on to say, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. We're all lawbreakers and we're guilty of sin. But then we're asked to speak and act as those who are going to be judged by a new law, the law that gives freedom. Romans 3.22 says, Like I said, Paul writes this like three or four different ways, but it means the same exact thing. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption of, that came by Christ Jesus. All of us are lawbreakers. We fall short of the glory of God and we are all set free and redeemed by that that came through Christ Jesus. The Jew will be judged by the law of Moses. The Gentile, the law of nature, to the Christian, mercy. The Christ follower, mercy is given because of the redemption that came through Christ. Mercy. And that's where James starts to transition and set up his, his final point. As Christians, we are not judged as if God is looking at At us on our own. As if he's looking at just us standing there. But instead, when we take on Christ, when we're clothed with Christ, when we're redeemed by Christ, when we die with Christ, and we die to our old selves, Christ, excuse me, God now looks at us through Christ's filter. He sees the clothes of Christ. He sees Christ over us. Do you see the image in your head as He's up above, looking on us? He doesn't see Justin Howell in my flesh. He sees Justin Howell with Christ over me, and that's where the mercy comes in. Christ goes on to say, "Blessed." Are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. James says, as we get to verse 12, speak and act as, as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Like I said, the Jews will be judged by the law of Moses. The Gentiles will be judged by the law of nature. We're judged with mercy. God has mercy on us because we're clothed in Christ. We're one with him. More so, James is saying, judge and treat your neighbor with mercy because you've been shown mercy. Right? Right? Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. And then James says. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Is that the same? I'm sorry. It's not. Let me see where I'm going with that. Would not been merciful. It's basically it's from two different directions, right? That blessed are the merciful. For they will be shown mercy and cursed if you do not show mercy. You will be judged by the same of which you give. If you give mercy, you'll receive mercy. If you resist and don't give mercy, you will be judged by the same thing. You will not receive mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's flip to Luke six thirty seven. Luke six thirty seven. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. It's almost poetry. The measure you give will be the measure you get back. The mercy you've been given is the mercy you're expected to give back. Not to show favoritism to a person inside of this group or outside of this group or coming into this group, but rather to, to show mercy. We have an open door policy. Those doors are unlocked and will remain so as long as we're in here. And anyone can walk through them. Doesn't doesn't mean they're not expected to change as we take on Christ. We are expected to become more like Him. But we're ex- us as believers are expected to show mercy to them, to love them, whatever their status. Only because Christ has shown the ultimate mercy for us as sinners, we're lawbreakers. We broke the glass. Because Christ's mercy covers those who follow him, we are no longer judged by the law, which we fall short. I have that written down. And then we see in Romans 8.1, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Inside of him, we are no longer condemned. We're given all the mercy that could possibly be given to us. And then it goes on to say because God's mercy surpasses his judgment let us do the same for each other. James writes mercy triumphs over judgment. God's mercy through Christ Christ dying for us as a sacrifice showing God's mercy towards us trespassers sinful Triumphs over his judgment. Because through his judgment, as sinners without Christ, we would be condemned to hell. It's the truth. I'm reminded a little bit, again, it's a worldly story, but it's a good example and applicable here. I'm reminded a little bit of a karate that I got into. Not too long ago, I bought myself a fancy Ford pickup. It took a long time to save for that truck, and I loved it. We actually went to go to Salt Lake to pick up a car for my wife. Same thing, saved a long time for it. A mile from picking up her car, going down the highway, I was in the right lane, there was a gal in front of me, all the way in the right lane, she moved to the center lane. She slowed down, I started passing her, and she turned directly in front of me. I just creamed her. Turned her car sideways, she hit the the wall. Long story short, though, the front of my truck was messed up. This thing that I wanted for so long. I (laughs) had. Big fancy diesel truck. (sighs) Goes fast. She ruined it. If I'm honest with you, I had very little mercy. I was so irritated with her when I got out of the car. I was hopping mad. I don't even know what my face looked like, but it probably was red. I was hopping mad. I couldn't see through my own anger. I had very little mercy. You know the reason that poor lady skipped a lane to get into the restaurant that was directly to the right? She had to pee. She was seven years old and she had to go pee. So bad she was about ready to pierce herself and she got out of the her vehicle and said I'm so sorry I'm so sorry but I have to go and she went into the restaurant restaurant so that she could use the restroom Man I'm a bad person I seriously There was no mercy there I wasn't living a Christian life I wasn't representing God or Christ There's only one person I could think of at the moment. Me and my thing, my truck, my hard work. Forget about her. She came back out. Guess what her first question was? Are you okay? Are you all right? She showed me all the mercy in the world. I Hope you're okay. I'm really sorry about this. I had like two words to say. If I could take that moment back, I would, but it's an example of mercy, right? This is what James and Christ and this writer is telling us. Show each other mercy when it's hard, when you don't want to, when it's uncomfortable, right? Maybe we don't actually like that person, but we still need to talk to them and love on them. Some folks are just hard to get along with. I might be one of those people. Please show me some mercy. That's what he's saying here. As a group, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, give mercy freely in all different ways. Not just the example of the rich and the poor and the status, the have and have nots. We're all equal. It's an equal playing field. It's the same across the board. We're all the same. If we have, we have not. It doesn't matter. That's, that's the point of this. That's wiped clean. That's, there's no difference. It's freshly linked. But in every opportunity, just like we see in Leviticus, show mercy. Amen? Who has to? All right, Mr. Rod, come on up.